this thing on. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. If you will, uh, if it's convenient, please rise and uh, sing as we uh, sing the song Salvation Belongs to Our God. Salvation belongs to our God, who sits upon the throne, and unto the Lamb be praise and glory, wisdom and thanks, honor and power and strength. from the dead, uh, saving us for our sins. And then we learn about uh, the, the church coming together. And as, we, as I read through it this week, I, I just was reminded time and time again that it's not about me. And it's not about you. It's about Jesus. We are all here because we are sinners who were in need of salvation. And we have that firm foundation in Jesus Christ. So let's, uh, let's sing this song together. Firm foundation. Sorry, I have more to do than just talk, so I have one more. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. You're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your holy word. I have a living hope. I have a living hope. I have a future. I have a 
Of this I'm sure, of this I'm sure, Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure, Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your holy word. Your word is faithful. Your word is faithful. Mighty and power. Mighty and power. God will deliver me. God will deliver me. Of this I'm sure. Of this I'm sure. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. You're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. 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 Good morning. So we have, you know, have a seat. Please be seated. Uh, we have a special weekend. It's, it, a lot of people are traveling, but I also see a lot of visitors, and I'm really glad that you're here. Thank you for being here. We are just delighted that you're here worshiping God with us. And, and for those who are watching online, we want to welcome you. Thank you that you're joining us as well. Uh, Matt mentioned our scriptural formation journey. So we're in the process of, we have these journals printed up. Everybody took one. We're reading through the New Testament over the next are taking five or six months to read through and we are at that point where last week we read the last four chapters of Luke and the first eight chapters of Acts. One of the things that I think you notice more when you're in God's word every day is how he's always at work. His spirit will remind you of something when you're reading or he will remind you of something that God is doing around you or in our community or in our church and I think it's just great that we can come together today and praise him for that and, and read scripture together and sing songs of praise together and pray together and do all these things. So um, I, I wanted to just, uh, so we are going to have a special prayer time uh, with the Shepherd's Prayer where we're mentioning some of our missionaries. Jimmy will come up right after me here in a second and read one of the newsletters from one of our missionaries. Uh, it goes along with, so in the, in, as Matt said, the establishment of the church in the book of Acts, it puts us on mission. It lets us know what we are to be doing, and this is one example. So Jimmy, why don't you come on up and, and read that letter to us? So Steve said this is a letter that we have from one of our missionary families, the Jacksons. They're serving in Greece. And we get these letters, I'm not doing very good with this, We're, uh, we get these letters periodically, but um, this letter I think is something that uh, it does go along with what we're reading, and it, it gives us a little bit of hope, it gives us some insight into what people who are hearing the gospel for the first time, um, how they're responding to it. So let me read this, it's, it is a little bit of a read, so bear with me, and uh, not a very good reader, but... Uh, get through it. So Phil, he starts out with a, a quote from 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. So I'll read that and then we'll get into the letter. So we go. Dear family and friends as family, 
For I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and then he appeared, and he's appeared to me. And then Phil says, The scriptures have been fulfilled by a crucified, buried, and resurrected Lord. Yet the emphasis of this truth has been from Jesus' recurring appearance. And Paul is able to punctuate the lordship of Jesus by giving his personal testimony about how the scripture-fulfilling Lord appeared to him. Is it true? Said was look, looking at an Arabic Bible that he had laid on the table in the coffee shop in Mytilene, Lesbos, Greece. By request, we went to Mytilene to meet other to meet friends of other new believers in Athens in order to share the gospel as we have done with them. Something for which we pray anxiously is those that receive the gospel will also share the message with their family and friends. Syed is a good friend of a man we have mentioned in previous prayer letter, Daoud. Daoud is now in Western Europe, and he has shared with Syed and his family, desire for Syed and his family to know Jesus as well. We agreed to make this trip to Lesbos as long as Daoud would be in part of an online group study with his friends. And in this letter, there's going to be a couple of prayer requests. Phil asks us to pray along with him. This is the first one. He says, may God mobilize workers within the harvest. So we look at the Bible on the table, and we know that the real question Syed is asking is not whether or not all the information in the book is accurate, but rather if we personally accept it as truth. We proclaimed in that coffee shop in Mytilene that people, or that Jesus was crucified for our sins, buried, and was raised to life on the third day, and that he has appeared to many people since that day to exercise his authority as king. He's appeared to us. It is true. So I had put his hand on the Bible and pledged, I will read every page of this book. This week as we began the online gospel discussion group with Daoud, Said and with his wife. Second prayer request. May God continue to reveal Jesus as the fulfillment of scripture and the fulfillment of these friends' faith, hope, and love. Paul offered the Corinthians more than just a concept of truth. He definitively stated that one can stand on the gospel which he preached. He says this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. And, after, and this is what people who have lost all foundation of life home, family, job, status. They must have this. Not mere theological concepts, but realities upon which disciples stand and boldly claim. We're able to punctuate scripture's fulfillment with our personal testimony of Jesus' very real claim on us. Third prayer request. May God empower your testimony of the gospel with his appearance. Phil's a great writer. What stands out to me is Syed's question. Is this true? can ask that question in a number of different ways. Sarcastic, is this true? Or a hopeful, is this true? I want to believe this, but I don't know if I can. Um, that's the question that everybody who reads through the Gospels, the claims that are in the Gospel, they have to ask themselves that question. That question's been asked since the letters were first read, till even till today, so I had today in Greece is asking that question. We've asked ourselves that question, we should have, and those who of us who have accepted Jesus have said, yes, it's true. I believe it. I can live by it. So, 
I'm just asking you to pray along with, with us, with the missions committee, with Phil and Rebecca, as they share the message with people that they're meeting every day. hard to follow Jimmy that was a beautiful uh, letter and so we uh, look around us here and yeah we'd love to go to Greece and and work with the Jacksons what they're doing is a beautiful effort uh, I read about what Scott Robb is doing in the Netherlands and uh, it, it makes me want to go uh, anybody in here going to Greece oh no hands okay so we can continue to pray and support what Phil is doing. In the meantime, the harvest is great. The workers are few. Look around us. We are covered up with opportunities. And so it is incumbent on us to reach out and minister to folks that are here. Welcome to our services this morning as we continue uh, right now a part of our shepherd's prayer where we pray for folks that have asked for prayers if you're a visitor uh, thank you so much for coming you are very very welcome and you're our honored guest please let us get to know you I'm reminded as, as uh, uh, we talk about our opportunities here at Woodbury and what's going on in Greece uh, it, it's exciting so in John 15 5 Jesus says I am the vine, you are the branches. If any remain in me and I remain in them, they produce much fruit. But without me, they can't do much. So we have prayers this morning for folks, a part of our family that have asked us to remember them and our prayers. And I, I pray so much that you are uh, paying attention to what others need that are your brothers and sisters. Uh, Rick Bliss sent a message saying that Pat Berger was rushed to the hospital with severe stomach pain. Uh, that would be day before yesterday. Uh, she had emergency surgery to repair a ruptured colon. She's in a hospital in Sun City, Arizona. Uh, and Rick doesn't have any more details yet, but he'll send them to us. And then Bill Cannon, uh, David Cannon, asked us to add Bill Morrison to a prayer list. Uh, he got gout for over a week now and his feet are swelling so much he can't even get his shoes on. He's got lots of throbbing pain. And Dorita's here this morning looking beautiful as always, but she's having a hard time with sleep uh, with ongoing uh, back pain. And Karen Perrington is having surgery on Friday to remove a plate in her arm. And uh, her brother, her husband, Mark Perrington, is dealing with some blood clots. So I uh, pray that he gets to the doctor and has those taken care of. Uh, our brother Jeff Abrams is here this morning and looking, looking bright and uh, glad to see him here. He had successful cancer surgery and the prognosis is good. His doctors think they got it all. They got all the cancer removed so no further treatments needed. Praise God. Uh, Debbie Yonkin has started her radiation treatments. So we want to pray for her. Uh, talked to Margaret Lindquist this week. Uh, she's having some terrible back pain. And on Thursday, she learned that she had a pinched nerve. 
which according to our doctors is going to be a simple surgery that will take care of it. Uh, time out. Time out. A simple surgery. Well, I got to tell you, I'm sorry. I got to have a little sidebar here. Simple surgery is going to be on her. If it was on me, it'd be major surgery. So let's pray for her because that's where she is now. Simple surgery is what he said. She said, oh, my goodness, he said simple, and I don't think it's going to end it. Da, da, da. So uh, I kind of relate to her, bless her heart. I want to continue to pray for Jason Wendell's dad, Earl. Uh, Luke Morgan's grandfather, Billy Chance, uh, has died. Uh, his passing was expected. And Luke and Ellen and Avid are heading to Texas on Wednesday. You may have noticed this morning, uh, but we have a, uh, uh, a visitor uh, sitting down here in the front row, uh, Maggie Brock. He's a service dog, and his name is Copper. And Copper uh, is a really good service dog, but uh, the kids wanted us to remember Copper in our prayers because Copper, uh, being a great service dog, but he's dying of cancer. And so there's not much they can do about that. So we want to uh, remember the family and the folks that, that were with him. So we want to pray for all of our mission efforts, both here and abroad. Uh, thank you, Jimmy. And the, the prayer request uh, from Phil was, may God mobilize workers within the harvest. May God continue to reveal Jesus as a fulfillment of scripture and the fulfillment of these friends' faith, hope, and love. May God empower your testimony of the gospel with his appearance. Jesus, come quickly. Would you bow with me? Lord God, we do pray that you come quickly. In the meantime, Father, walk with us. Give us strength. Father, we pray so much for the folks we just mentioned here. We're worried about Pat Berger, Father. Heal her. We're worried about Bill Morrison and his gout that, that uh, come on him and, and, and for Dorita and for Karen and, and for Mark, for the family as they deal with what they have going on. And then, of course, Dave, who's doing well, but not really doing well. Father, we pray for uh, those folks that uh, we love their faith and their strength. And, Father, we are so excited about Jeff's uh, successful surgery. You indeed answered our prayers. And we ask for the same prayer to be answered for Debbie Yonkin, that uh, her radiation treatments will be successful. For Margaret and her back pain, that that simple surgery, regardless if it's simple or not, that it works, that that uh, L5 uh, nerve is corrected. And Father, I want to continue to pray for Jason's dad, Earl, uh, for the Morgan family as they mourn the loss of grandfather, Billy Chance. Uh, even when we know, Father, that it's time, somebody's time is up, Father, there's a vacuum and there's a love loss. So be uh, with the Morgan family. Be with them in their travels as they go there to mourn with family and celebrate a life well lived. And Father, we are appreciative of uh, the animal kingdom and for dogs like Copper. And we pray that you would be with those taking care of him and with him as he deals with, uh, not dealing with, but he has cancer. And Father, for our mission efforts, we pray, Father, that our mission, uh, whether it be overseas or right here in this house, right here in this building, right here in this neighborhood, uh, that you walk with us and give us strength to reach out and, and be Jesus to anybody and everybody we can. And we thank you for Jesus. His name we pray. Amen.
morning. I'll uh, do a little Bible Bowl quiz here. I'm going to talk about a character in the Bible who had a name change. I'll give you three chances to guess who it is. Who wants to guess? No? Jacob? Saul? No? Daniel? No? So I don't want to keep going on and on, but I'm going to talk about Joshua. But I just would encourage you to continue our daily Bible studies because apparently you guys don't have them all. So, So Joshua when he went with 12 others to spy out the land. He, he came back, two gave a good report, 10 gave a bad report. And, and Hoshea, or Hoshea was his name before he went, and that means salvation. And after he gave his report, which was the same as the other 10, that hey, it's a big challenge, but God will deliver. They changed his name to Joshua, which means the Lord is salvation. So lest he confuse himself when he became a military leader with a bunch of victories, that he was the reason for the victory, the name change was awesome. Because it says, no, the Lord is salvation. Well, here we are about ready to take the Lord's Supper. And... We just heard a whole bunch of struggles that are going on in people's lives. And I don't know, we talked about this at our men's breakfast last Saturday. You just sit down and you start talking to someone and this person has lost a loved one and this person has a medical issue and this person is out of work or this person has a job but three people in their department quit and they're overwhelmed by their job. And some people have parenting issues and some people have marriage issues and some people have financial issues. and Unless we turn to the Lord, if we think it's within ourselves to bring salvation, to bring peace, to bring good relationships, we're not going to get it right. We have to, like that name change that Joshua got, recognize that it is Jesus that saves. It is Jesus that heals. It is Jesus that sets the right standard. We're talking about this in our Wednesday night class. If you treat your spouse like, you you know, like they always deserve it, there's going to be times where you don't treat them like God wants us to treat our spouses because he says you treat them like Jesus treated you. And that's true of all of our relationships. So let's pray as we take this Lord's Supper and remember that the Lord saves. Dear God, we thank you so much for sending your son Jesus because we all have a battle that we need to win against sin and we just lose it. We don't do it right, and we rely on ourselves, and we don't humble ourselves. We don't seek forgiveness. We try to justify our behaviors when we're not neighborly, we're not kind, we don't use the right words. And, and Father, we don't need excuses. We need salvation. And, Father, once we have that salvation, we want to remember it every week. And, Father, we want to serve others the way that we've been served by your Son, Jesus in an unconditional way, in a loving way, in a kind way. We want to speak the truth, Father, in love. We want to encourage, we want to, as the missionaries are challenging us, to do our work for the kingdom. Not not so that we can be glorified, not that we can count victories, Father, but that we can win as many as possible to the name of your Son, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.
hallway for kids ages two years to um, second grade. If your kid is younger than that, we also have a staff nursery or a quiet room with a diaper changing station and rocking chairs. Or of course, they're welcome to stay in here and we have lots of open arms willing to hold your babies. Would you please stand with us as we sing uh, the song before the sermon, Everlasting God. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord our God. You reign forever. Our hope, our strong
rises, we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our song deliverer. You are the everlasting God. God, you do not faint, you won't grow weary. You're the defender of the weak. You comfort those in need. You lift us up on wings like eagles. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Yeah, thank you guys. Uh, yeah, have a seat. Uh, we. This is a special weekend, you know, with, uh, what, President's Day tomorrow, a lot of a long weekend. We have a lot of people gone because of that, but we have a lot of visitors as well, and I'm really glad you're here. You know, sometimes they do these president sales on furniture and stuff like that. Uh, I will tell you that today is a special day. Today, one day only, today only, springtime in Minnesota, all right? So get out and enjoy it. Because if you look at the forecast, we're going to get anywhere from 6 to 12 inches of snow after that, and it'll get cold again. So today only, springtime in Minnesota. Um, this scriptural formation journey that we're on, that we're reading through, I hope you're enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I can tell a lot of people are because they're asking questions and they're having discussions. And, and so last Monday, I was thinking about how do I get the last four chapters of Luke and the first, chap, first eight chapters of Acts all in one lesson, because that's what my assignment was today. And I thought one theme that stands out to me is mission and purpose. And so that's kind of where I'm going to be going. I don't know if any of you ever saw the movie The Blues Brothers. Um, it was made in 1980, so it probably takes a lot of you out, okay? Uh, but no, so we'll get a couple of hands. So... Um, in this movie, and I was reading a book this week from Dan Bouchelle, who titled his book, We're on a Mission from God. And in this movie, uh, this is Jake and Elwood Blues. That's their last name. Jake and Elwood Blues, repeatedly throughout the movie, they're saying, we're on a mission from God. We're on a mission from God. So what happens is they were raised in an orphanage, a church-run orphanage, and it's about to go under. And they have to have a certain amount of money in just two or three days for, to save the orphanage, to save the kids, to, you know. And, and so they decide that they're going to raise the money. They're going to, you know, take this mission on uh, and raise this money to, uh, so that, to save the orphanage and the kids. The film is a monument to car wreckage. Uh, it's with a tip of the hat to Rhythm and Blues. I, I have the soundtrack on a CD somewhere. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I think the music's the best part. My, disc, my one disclaimer is that I saw the movie on TV. I think the original is rated R, so I don't know what's in that. So if you... <laughs> Go try to stream it, and you stream the original. I, I don't know. But um, 
One of the things that Dan Bushell, Dan Bushell references the movie in his book, We're on a Mission from God, and he says that one of the things in the movie is when they start putting, their idea is to put this band back together to raise the money. When they start putting the band back together, they're making all these visits and they're seeing all their old band members. And there's a lot of really colorful characters. And so he said in the movie, sometimes the overall purpose to save the orphanage, to save the kids, gets lost. And he said sometimes the Bible is like that. Sometimes we see this as just a bunch of stories, a bunch of characters, a bunch of different scenes, and we forget about that there is really one story. It is a salvation story from beginning to end. We don't want that to get lost. So I see three pieces of that overall salvation story in the book of Acts. Jesus is the good news. We can't miss that. You know, Luke wrote it in his gospel. Now he's writing the sequel, Acts. Uh, Jesus is the good news. We don't want to minimize that. The body of Christ, the church, grew in its understanding in the book of Acts as to, you know, here was Jesus' words and Jesus' teaching. The Holy Spirit comes, the promised Holy Spirit. They see that, and then they begin to see that God's overall mission is to save all nations, the Gentiles too. Uh, And then thirdly, God was always working. So when you see all of these events and you see all these characters and you read all these stories in the book of Acts, don't, get lo- don't lose the fact that God is behind all those. Uh, God is behind that in when, uh, well, I'll, I'll come back to that. So in the book of Luke, well, I'm going to start with Acts 1, 1 and 2. So you can't minimize the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Acts 1, 1 and 2. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. You can't minimize Jesus. The second thing that we talked about uh, is, in, uh, is in Luke 2, 28 through 32. It's this enlightenment in the body of Christ. So in Luke 2, this is the birth of Jesus in Luke 2. And Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared, prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations or the Gentiles, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Um, sometimes we, they, the Jews had missed the point. They thought of them as God's chosen nation, and they forgot about everybody else. But this is uh, a second part of that overall story in the book of Acts. If you go back to the Gospel of Luke, uh, look, look at here. I've got eight references. Uh, I'm going to run through these real quick because of time, because... We got started late. Luke 4, Jesus mentions all of these. He mentions all of these references. Luke just writes them down. But they all are emphasizing faith of a Gentile person over a Jewish person. The widow from Zarephath. So that was during Elijah's time. He went to a widow in a Gentile region of Zarephath, not a Jewish widow. Naaman the Syrian. He had leprosy in the time of Elisha. He was the one healed. And Jesus said, even though there were Israelites with leprosy, Naaman was the one healed. In Luke chapter 7, the faith of the centurion. And you remember the Roman centurion. And Jesus said, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. Uh, Luke chapter 10, miracles in Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon were these Gentile regions. And Jesus was in his hometown. And they didn't have enough faith in him in his hometown that he could perform miracles. And he said, if the miracles that I have done in other towns were performed in Tyre and Sidon, this Gentile region, they would have faith and they would believe. Also in Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan. So you have the three people 
walking by the person who's been beat up, Levite, priest, both Jewish religion people, and then you have the Good Samaritan, and the Good Samaritan is the ones praised and done right. Also in Luke chapter 11, you have the Queen of Sheba who's come up from Africa during Solomon's time to find out about God and all of the things that Solomon has done. Also in Luke 11, you have the people of Nineveh, Gentiles who repent during the time of Jonah and, and confess and, and worship God. And then Luke chapter 17, Jesus heals 10 lepers and only one of them returns and says thank you and it is a Samaritan. So Luke mentions this all in his gospel and then you get to the book of Acts and you see that the message is for all these people. Luke emphasizes this and in Acts you see that the work of salvation, God is always at work. So these three things you see in the overall picture. But we believe Jesus in the gospel of Luke. We believe he is the Messiah. Now what? And I believe the book of Acts answers that question. Now what? So I think of Acts chapter 1, 11, where in verse 10 it says there's two men in white robes standing there at the ascension. And then they say in verse 11, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So these two guys are standing, all the 12 are there, and they watch Jesus go up into heaven, and they're just staring. And then these two men, or these two angels come down, and they say, what are you guys doing? Why are you staring into heaven? Uh, it reminds me of uh, when I was in college, uh, the first two years I was in college, I went back home to my hometown. I worked construction, and what the boss decided to do was remodel all these gas stations. And so we would, you know, the big old steel tanks we would tear up and put in big fiberglass tanks the old gas pumps we'd put in new digital pumps the mechanic bays where they had the lifts to work on cars we'd tear all of that out and then make a convenience store out of it because that's what gas stations were doing during those days a lot of jackhammering up concrete a lot of hard work one year the boss hires a new guy young guy and quite often he was found or caught or whatever staring standing around staring not doing any work and the and the boss would have to you know talk to him about that i I don't i don't want to say his name because um he didn't have a very good work ethic so we'll just call him patrick um so for for you visitors uh patrick is the regular minister who's traveling uh so no, Patrick has a very good work ethic. I want to make sure that's clear. Everybody, I think everybody knows that. So. But this also, I, I can find out if Patrick actually watches the tape, see, because he'll lead a discipleship group. Uh, anyway, so Patrick is standing around, and the boss has to come up to him and say, what are you doing standing there? You know, you've got work to do. I mean, it doesn't matter if we were starting. He'd just kind of hmm, like, okay, everybody's getting to work. I'm going to think about it for a while. Maybe I'll start here in a minute or two. You know, or we come back from lunch or... You know, or we get to a transition where we finish doing that. Now we got to, and he's just quite often, Patrick was standing around wondering what to do, staring. And I think, you know, these two angels are like, what are y'all doing standing around? We've got work to do, right? That's what they're saying. We've got work to do. There's a mission. All right, Jesus was here. You've watched him leave. He's gone. Now we've got work to do. And I think these angels had a really good work ethic. And I think they're trying to get the apostles to jump in with that as well. Uh, For those of you who've read the book of Acts, my question is this. How did 12 
uneducated, unknown men turn the world upside down, which is a reference to Acts 17, where they accused them of turning the world upside down. How did they do this to the point where a couple of hundred years later, Constantinople, Roman emperor, decided to make that the official religion of the Roman Empire? And you can talk in your discipleship groups about whether that's a good thing or a bad thing or whatever you saw this week. But how did they do this? Um, the Gospel of Luke was about Jesus and his ministry, his death, burial, and resurrection. We can't minimize that. But then Jesus leaves the earth, and the Acts of the Apostles is about the promised Holy Spirit working in the life of the church. And in the first eight chapters of the book of Acts, is what we read, because next week will be on Acts as well. But the first eight chapters, what I was saying, what we were reading last week. And let me pause and just say, if, you, if you're behind, if you're not caught up, then just start tomorrow with Acts 9 where we are don't worry about what you've missed and if you read 9 and 10 and you still have a little time tomorrow then go back and read something else that, that we missed so just just do this it's, it's really good reading all right so in the first chapter eight chapters of the book of acts i see three characteristics of christ followers that i think are really important so the first one the church was more about community than programs and I've got all these references, and if you just want to snap a picture to the references and look at it later, you can do that. You're not going to bother anybody. Don't worry about anybody around you, because I'm not going to read all these. In fact, they're not on the screen. I'm just going to read one. So I'll read Acts 2, 42 through 47. Uh, and it says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Uh, they were concerned about one another's needs, okay? They lived in community. They, it, none of this was programmed. They met every day at the temple, but they met, you know, in each other's homes as well, sharing the Lord's Supper, sharing meals. I, you know, even our Sunday mornings are somewhat programmed, all right? You know, a preacher gets up, says something, we have communion, we share it, you know, we sing songs, we have some prayers. Yeah, we mix it up sometimes, but it's pretty much the same program. I believe that our discipleship groups that meet during the week are more of what the early church's meetings were because they share a meal it's a it's more informal uh there's there's uh spontaneous conversation and prayer that happens in those groups and i think that's more of what they were doing when they met together and it says if you remember they met together daily i was having lunch with clayton this week and and, you know, we're, we're sharing scripture together and we're talking, we're encouraging one another. And I'm like, see, this is it. And, you know, and Clayton said something, I said, yeah, I got to put that down in my lesson I'm working on this week. Once a week here on Sunday morning for an hour or two is great, but it is not great enough. Okay, we've, we've got to be meeting we, uh, more often than that and sharing I, I know my wife we we had a mail meeting you know last Saturday morning and and some people shared about some of the good things going on in their families or their ministries 
And Tina was just like, that's so encouraging. I wish I could hear more about that. Absolutely. The way you hear more about that is get with Christians daily during the week and talk about what's going on. And then you're going to hear more about that. All right. Second thing, second characteristics I see in Christ followers is that they did not give in to expectations of authorities or the culture around them. You see this over again, over and over again. Chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8. I'll just read chapter 4, 19 through 20. Uh, It says this, but Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Over and over again in these references, um, the authorities would come to the apostles and confront them or tell them to stop or you can't do that or quit talking about Jesus. And over and over again, they said, no, we're not going to stop. And and. You know, Peter and, and John and, and, you know, here in this, cha- or in this chapter, they're released from prison and they go out and they keep telling people and they get called on the carpet again and they, but they don't get thrown in jail because they're afraid of the people. Now in Acts chapter 7, Stephen gets in trouble with the authorities and he's actually stoned and killed. So there's, you know, we don't know for sure what's going to happen, but the fact that we cannot give in to the expectations of authorities or culture around them. We're going we're gonna to follow God regardless is what's important here. And the third thing is that this is, you see all these conversion stories in the book of Acts. It's all about these individuals. They all made Jesus Lord. They changed their hearts. They changed their minds. You see it in Acts 2. Well, uh, I want to read verses 36 through 38. Um, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. See, we all want Jesus as Savior. It's a little bit harder to put Jesus as Lord to where we're going to obey him regardless. We want our sins forgiven, but following him daily, that's a little bit harder. Um, Verse 38. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, They made Jesus Lord. Uh, Can this type of growth happen today? Has it happened since the beginning of the church? Can it happen today still? You know, um, I want to read this quote from a book, Western Christians in Global Mission, What's the Role of the North American Church? All right, here it is. In the past century, the fastest growth of the kingdom of God has been in China. In 1948, when the Mao's Communist Party took over China, they drove the church underground and removed its entire institutional presence. There were fewer than 3 million Christians at the time, mainly Western-looking churches planted by leaders from Europe and USA. During the revolution and the communist takeover, all the churches and seminaries were closed, their property confiscated, and all the church leaders imprisoned unless they bowed to the state and limited their activity to the government-controlled church. The faithful church went underground, meeting in secret small groups with nothing but their faith, their Bibles, and the Spirit, and the church silently exploded. Today, there are estimated to be in excess of 100 million Jesus followers in China. So from 3 million to 100 million, over 100 million, and I've seen some uh, estimates that are like 130 million, and it's, it wasn't an institution. It wasn't programmed. It's a grassroots movement of the Holy Spirit and the individuals 
doing that. I, I know that when we uh, adopted Phoebe and Tina was in uh, the orphanage talking with the lady who was kind of watching Phoebe, over, watching over Phoebe the most and, you know, a hundred other kids. Uh, and she pulled Tina aside and she said, she whispered to her, she said, I'm a Christian. You know, and, and I just, and, and that's about all the English she knew. But she knew to say that and she wanted to say that. And it's just encouraging to me because it's God doing that. It's God doing it here in the book of Acts when you read it. It's God doing it today in China and here and, and everywhere. So um, that's, that's one reason I'll just say I'm not worried about the political state I live in. Uh, I, love, I love the U.S. of A. I love country. I love the freedom. Uh, but I am not worried about any political state I'm living in. I'm worried about pleasing God, my Lord Jesus. Uh, that's most important. All right, I have three applications. Uh, application number one, I've heard often in recent years that Jesus is one of many ways to God. And Acts 4.12 says there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Um, so that's in these like, first eight chapters of Acts. Uh, application number two uh, is that, I, thankfully, uh, you know, the opposite, other hand, more and more believers from lots of churches are seeing the need to be baptized. Acts 2.38, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm seeing an increase in that desire uh, from lots of believers. And the third application, I would say, is that Jesus is Lord. Uh, Acts 2.36, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Uh, the book of Acts uses the word Lord 103 times, and in Luke it's used 79 times. And if you compare that with Matthew, Matthew's like one of the next ones at 50. I mean, Luke, in his writings of the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts, uses this a lot more than any other writer uh, and this is part of his focus. Uh, so, this being the case, Jesus is Lord. Now what? Are we standing around, staring, wondering what to do, not doing anything, just kind of wondering what to do next, like my friend? Um, all Christians, I'll say it again. It doesn't leave anybody out, right? All Christians are to be on mission. There's no such thing in the book of Acts of a church that is not involved in missions. Adrian Hastings put it this way, the church of Christ does not so much have a mission as the mission of Christ has a church. All right, so again, we're just trying not to get the church in first place. Jesus is in first place. Dan Bouchelle in his book said, God's mission is not about getting lost people in the church. It's about getting Jesus in lost people. And then God adds them. And God does that in his work. Uh, I would say when we're thinking about mission, I do not have to cross an ocean. This is mission life. I do not have to cross an ocean or any other boundary to be on a mission. We had uh, a great letter from uh, the Jacksons and the work that they're doing. Okay, And we have a, we have a group that's planning on going to Mexico uh, in June to have a mission trip to serve down there. But we have to understand that we are all on mission, and it's a part of our life as a Christian. And your neighbors or your coworkers or your extended family need to be on your minds 
in a mission kind of way. That this is our life as Christians, chosen to make Jesus Lord, to share about him. Luke's message, the Acts of the Apostles, it's all about God's mission. Acts 1.8 could be the thesis statement. It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I mean, we could say in Woodbury, in the Twin Cities, in Minnesota, throughout the USA. I mean, this, that's the thesis statement, that it, it, we're to tell about him everywhere. Look at these summary statements. I just jotted these down, and this will, but Acts 6-7 says, so God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. And then skip a few chapters to chapter 9, verse 31. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. Okay, that's a big deal. And it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. And then again in chapter 12. Verse 24, Luke says, Meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread, and there were many new believers. And then Acts chapter 16, verse 5, second missionary journey. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. And then in chapter 19, verse 20, third missionary journey, Luke writes, So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. If you do not believe that Luke, when he's writing, is thinking about Jesus and the mission, then you're missing it. What he's writing about, what he says in these summary statements. One of the things Dan Bouchelle said in his book was that he doesn't think it's a really helpful idea to, to look at us and say, are we like the first church? Are we like the early church in the book of Acts? And the reason he says that is he says because it's not always about form. Uh, and he, he brings up the example of the synagogues. If you notice, the synagogues were not in the Old Testament until the Israelites got dispersed and had to live in Babylonian captivity where they couldn't go to the temple anymore. So then they developed, okay, we'll start synagogues to where our little community... Cause, well, it worked, and it worked well. But then when Jesus came, you don't really need the synagogues anymore, okay? So, so the point is... These things are good and they serve a purpose, but there's a better question. The better question is, what is God's purpose? Not necessarily, are we doing it exactly like they did in the book of Acts, but what is God's purpose? What is God's purpose for the Woodbury Church of Christ? Purpose, our mission, it matters more than structure or programs. I'm going to call the praise team back up. Um, Luke probably met Paul in Troas on the second missionary journey. He became a believer, a follower. He became a part of the mission. He was a witness. It wasn't about his work ethic. It was about good news. It was about truth. It was about a transformed heart. Jesus the Christ changed his life and the lives of the apostles. Luke shared how Jesus Christ also changed the world. Now what? Now what about you last slide are you motivated by your gift of salvation and how because it's not about work ethic our purpose i think is more about our motivation ephesians 2 says the 
talking about God's grace, it is a gift. Um, several places in scripture talk about the gift we have received. That's our motivation. What are we doing with the gift? Are we standing around staring, wondering what to do, not doing anything? Or are we motivated by a thankful heart, thankful to Jesus for his sacrifice? And then how are we going to do that? And it starts right here with our neighbors and our coworkers and our family members. Stand as we sing number 705, A Common Love. A common love for each other, a common gift to the Savior, a common bond, holding us to the sacrificing of your son. We pray, Father, at this time that you would strengthen us, that you would unify us, Father, under your son, that you would give your Holy Spirit to us and give us wisdom, Father, as we leave this building and go out into the world, that we may show the world you and your love and, and point to the salvation that you've given us on the cross. Be with us all, Father, now. 